I learned that I don't want to die falling off of a cliff. When most people go on vacation, they relax. But when I went, I learned a valuable lesson to stay way away from the edge of anything. Hawaii is beautiful. The beaches are actually clean. The weather is consistent. The food is amazing and the people are gorgeous. One of the best parts to visit is Waimea Bay. Waimea Bay is more well known for their cliff, which some of the locals are scared to jump off of. The rocky cliff stands about 50 feet above the water, although it looked 100 while I was up there. There are a couple of heights on the rock people could jump from. There was the 50-foot jump at the peak of the cliff, the 40-foot jump just below that, and the 20-foot jump that was a hike to get down to. Obviously, we chose to jump off of the tallest one at the peak because why not? My friend had been to this beach every year and never jumped off because she was too scared, so she decided that since I was making her do this, I would have to jump first. I didn't mind at all because jumping off of a cliff has been on my bucket list for forever. As we walked over, we could slowly see how big the rock really was, and honestly, I was intimidated. Stepping on the rock was more of a struggle than people would think, because even though hundreds of people have done this mini hike, the rock is still sharp and feels like mini needles under your feet with each step. We followed a shallow trail of sand up to the peak of the cliff and stood in line to jump off. There was a girl in front of us who stood at the edge and definitely looked like she was going to cry. You could see fear cover her whole face, and every time her friend said jump, her face grew paler. It gave me anxiety just watching her. Eventually, she backed down and told us that we could go first. Her friend told us we had to time the jump to when a wave came so that we wouldn't hit the shallow part. I had no idea how to do that, so she agreed to help me. I stepped up on the edge and looked down. That drop was definitely 100 feet from the view I saw. I stood there waiting for the girl to seal my fate with one word. It seemed like I was there for forever, watching the waves crash on the shore and taunt me like I was scared. I stared blankly down at the ocean, at the ocean water sparkling until finally, now, my ears perked up and without thinking, I took a leap into the air. I immediately regretted it and had a solid moment of panic run through as I was falling. The fall was the worst. It felt like the drop on Supreme Scream at Knott's and the drop of Guardians of the Galaxy ride at California Adventure combined. I waited to hit the water, but it felt like it would never end. Unfortunately, when I did land, I was not ready and had a pretty solid wedgie from the impact of the water. As I plunged in, though, I felt such a relief and accomplishment that I had done it, but it definitely wasn't something I wanted to do again. About five minutes after my friend had jumped too, we both went again, so I went through all the same feelings. I didn't plan on jumping off of anything else soon, nor do I want to ever jump off into straight air again. I can't imagine how people would pick jumping off of a cliff as their statement way of dying, because that fall is horrible. A heroic way to die? Maybe. Is it for me? Definitely not. I lie in bed pretending to sleep so my body would get the message that I'm finally ready to knock out. It's been a long day and I need to recharge. Time ticks by, but I can't seem to fall asleep. I toss and turn, but nothing feels comfortable. Suddenly, my ears begin to ring. A tingling sensation begins from my head to the rest of my body. The tingling soon turns into shock. I feel as if I'm being electrocuted, and the waves of shock are running up and down my body. 
My head is especially pounding. Soon after, my vision turns white, as if my eyes were the lens of a camera and someone had used some white filter on me. I can't seem to turn my head, but my eyes are able to move around. I must be dreaming. Wait. No. I'm wide awake, but I can't move? Alright, I think to myself. This is it. I'm dying. Am I satisfied with the life that I lived? Well, I can't go back now. Lord, I'm ready. Take me. I expected my death to be more pleasant than this. So this is how people feel when they're dying. Okay. I waited. But yet, nothing happened. What is even happening? I tried to scream for help, but my mouth would not move. I keep trying and trying, but it's as if I were paralyzed, or maybe even worse. I can't do a thing but move my eyes. I scream and scream in my head, help, 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 Mars, where are you? What's happening? Mom? Dad? Samuel? I want to cry in pain, but that wouldn't work either. Suddenly, the shock stops. My vision turns back to normal. I'm able to move. I pull the covers up to my chin to grasp onto and fall asleep, confused on what the heck just happened. At one point in our lives, we've been alone by ourselves. Maybe house-sitting, or your parents going out for some alone time. <laughs> this is that to the extreme. Imagine that to a five-year-old kid and his seven-year-old brother. My family went to pick up my grandma from her house. She had to go to the hospital for a checkup. The hospital was about 30 minutes away. All in attendance was me, my big brother Darius, mom, dad, and uncle Randy. The plan was for my mom and dad to take my grandma to the hospital while uncle Randy took care of me and my brother. And if we needed anything, like food for instance, me or Darius would hit my uncle up. We arrived at my grandma's on schedule, gave grandma hugs and kisses, and brought her to the car. Before they left, my dad pulled me and Darius aside. Now remember, you be as good as you can. Be good for Uncle Randy. My dad shot Randy a judgmental look. I later found out that that was to show he wasn't playing around with him. We said goodbye and watched my parents and grandma cruise out. Darius and I followed Uncle Randy back inside the house. He was wearing a butthurt face, like a kid not getting what they wanted for Christmas. Not much words were exchanged, as you could tell. About an hour passed, I was playing with my brother, checking out my grandma's quilts and decorations, maybe a little fine around, when we heard the front door open. We ran up to where the noise was to be met by Randy one foot out the door. He froze, and without turning his head, like a 1950s divorce, he said, I'll be right back, I'm going to get some cigarettes, and left. We sat there dumbfounded for a bit, wondering how long it would take. 
Three days passed. Darius told me it was my turn to make breakfast, but he just didn't know how to cook. I skipped over to the fridge, humming some Michael Jackson or something under my breath. I opened the door to be met with an empty fridge. OJ bottles, a milk jug, a pizza box, and other food containers lay scattered in every compartment. It finally dawned on me. I was defenseless. No parents, no food, no nothing. I had never felt so incredibly alone. Darius seemed to be relaxed, which made me worry even more. When I informed him of our predicament, he sat there, paused for a second, then said with a concerned face, Guess we gotta get food then. My stomach sank. Now we had to leave the house. Of course, I had to ask the obvious, Where do we go? We ended up going to the liquor store, bought some candy and stuff to calm us down. Darius knew Dad's phone number, told him Uncle Randy left, that we ran out of food, and that we needed them now more than we ever needed them. I have had my share of scary experiences, from being followed to seeing things at night, but the one I'm going to tell you still gives me goosebumps when I talk about it. Seventh grade me was walking home. It was a cloudy gray day, but you could see that the sky was clearing up a little. I was tired because I had a lot of tests that day, and I had cross-country practice right after school. When I finally made it home, I realized that there was no one, which was very unusual because my grandma was home by then and she picks up my little sister. I thought they probably went out to get dinner since practice took so long. I ate a snack and jumped into the shower. My bathroom is near the living room where the door is, so you can always hear when people come in and out of the house. While I was changing into some pajamas, I heard the front door open, and by hearing the footsteps, I thought it was my mom who came home from work early. In my family, it is required to greet each other when you come home from work and school. So I went into the living room to greet her, but she wasn't there. Seconds later, I heard her call me, so I followed her voice into her room, but I did not find her. She continued to call me, from, but each time it was coming from different parts of the house, as if she was avoiding me. At this point, I was getting annoyed, and I told her I did not want to look for her anymore. I sat down on the couches and ignored her, and her voice started to change. It did not sound like my mother anymore. Her voice was deeper and stronger, and it echoed throughout the house. I felt my heart sink and thought someone else pretended to be my mom and entered the house. I went into my room and, re and started to retrace my steps. I remembered I locked the door and I closed it, and my dog greeted me. Then I remembered my dog, Dino. Dino was always the first to make it to the door and greet people, so I wondered why he did not greet my mom this time. In my house, we also have an alarm system that says front door open, side door open, and things like that. I also did not hear that when my mom came in. I looked for my dog, who was in the backyard. I called him in for extra security. I looked outside and my mom's car was not in the driveway. I looked down the street and her car was nowhere to be found. I was scared beyond belief. I took my dog to the front yard and, stopped on the, and sat on the steps until I stopped hearing its voice. I wondered if I had schizophrenia since I knew my dog did not hear anything. But I have not experienced anything like that since then. And I hope that stays that way. This isn't necessarily a scary story, but it's a story about something that I find scary. 
And I don't think there's anything scarier than the human mind, or more specifically, our own minds. Sometimes I could get so lost in my own thoughts that I don't pay attention to what's happening around me. I always have thousands of thoughts running through my brain, and some are important, some are irrelevant, and some I don't even begin to understand how I started thinking about it. I believe that the human mind is responsible for the things that we fear. If it weren't for my vivid imagination, I wouldn't be terrified of ghosts, the dark, the deep ocean, or being alone. I'm afraid of ghosts because I believe that they are real, despite never seeing one in person. I'm afraid of the dark because I believe that there is something lurking in it, and it will get me if I don't run fast enough. I'm afraid of the ocean because I don't know what kind of creatures are down there. And I'm afraid of being alone because then I'm alone with my own thoughts, which can oftentimes take me to dark places that are hard to escape from. When I'm showering, for example, I can't close my eyes for too long because I start to panic since it's dark and I'm alone, and I always feel like there's someone there watching me. When I close my eyes, I can feel the presence of someone looking at me. Then I start to imagine what that presence might look like. It's always the same person, though. An old woman, a few inches shorter than me, with frizzled, messy hair, and smudges of dirt on her face. I could see her in my mind, and her face is no more than six inches away from mine, staring into me with her wide eyes. And I'm afraid to open my eyes, because I'm scared that when I do, she'll be there, staring up at me, then start screaming in my face. But at the same time, I'm scared to keep my eyes closed, because all I could see is her face in the darkness. My only option is to open my eyes as quickly as I can, so I could prove to myself that she isn't real. And when I do, I see that there's no one there. However, in my mind, I believe that someone is or was there, and I just can't see them because my eyes are open. Our minds can think of the scariest things, whether they're real or not. It can make you afraid of things that you've never actually seen. It can make you want to commit a murder. And it can make you do and think all sorts of things. And it's only a matter of time until our own minds make us go crazy.